This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Real Deal from China Tech Insights, Tencent on their recent published report Trends and Predictions for China Tech Industry in 2017. In the second part of our conversation, we discuss how the Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent access are going global and the venture capital investment climate in China. Welcome back. And with me is Real Liu, analyst at China Tech Insights from Tencent. And we have spent the last podcast talking about the trends and predictions for the China tech industry in 2017. And we ended with a very, very interesting note on the impact of the BAT Baidu Alibaba Tencent. And in this second part of the conversation, to follow up the same team on the BAT, I want to talk to you about the globalization of Chinese tech companies. So Ria, help me understand, how are Chinese tech companies going global then? Hi, Bernard. Thank you for having me. So this is also a really good question to address on. In the report, we also discussed how the expansion of Chinese companies to overseas market has evolved. So before, a lot of like Chinese companies are trying to go in global with their products. Like you have seen Alibaba, Tencent all have launched their products overseas. Some receive a pretty good reception and maybe some not. And based on all these experiences in the past, they're now trying to do something different. So one of the primary trends you may have found is that the investments from Chinese tech companies in overseas markets is increasing rapidly. Most recently, you may find Total acquired a video app called Flipgram in the US. So this is a different trend they're trying to do in the market. I think it's also showing how these Chinese companies are changing their mindset. Instead of getting into a market they're completely strangers, they're unfamiliar with, they're now trying to find local partners in the way of investment as well. So I guess it's a new move, uh, it's a new trend, and I think it's a pretty smart step as well. I find that this is a very interesting point because most of these Chinese tech companies, either they invest on the local equivalent of themselves or they actually acquire companies. I think another interesting case in point example would be M Financial acquiring MoneyGram in the US. And if you think about Tencent and Alibaba's footprint in Southeast Asia and India, Tencent has invested in a local messaging app in India called Hike and most well-known Talk in Korea, which a lot of people I think didn't know about that. And even with Alibaba has acquired Lazada and through Lazada acquired Redmart to expand their Southeast Asia footprint. Do you foresee Chinese tech companies going global would be more closer to using a mergers and acquisition strategy or would it be more a local investment strategy and at some point acquire and internalize with their brands or other kinds of approach of even growing organically? Because I think this is something that is very different from Western companies where if you take a look at a company, say Google, for example, they go everywhere, it's still the Google brand. But you see the BAT is adopting a very different approach as compared to the Western company. And of course, I, I forgot to mention a very big behemoth in China tech company called Huawei is still using the Huawei brand going all over the world as well. Well, I think for different companies and business, they have different strategies. And at the moment, everyone is beating the bush. They're trying to figure out a way 
to really navigate in different markets. So it's kind of like case by case thing. Several general trends. One of them is Chinese tech companies taking the investments and mergers and acquisition methods more seriously. And some of them are doing a good job. Chinese tech companies are now mastering the way of becoming like changing their role in different markets. It's also a cost and return thing. For some business, for example, social business, it has the network effect. If you get into a market abruptly and trying to compete against established players in the market, it's going to be really hard with really high cost. And most of the time, people just have to evaluate the cost and return. For as you mentioned, Huawei, a smartphone company, is things are kind of different. For smartphones, there is no such a thing as uh, we normally discuss as cultural border. For softwares, applications, the cultural border is pretty clear. In different markets, you see users with different using behaviors, different habits. You have to set up local teams or partner up with local teams to manage your operation in the local market. For smartphones, the building of the devices can be consistent in different markets and the modification for each market can be slightly different from each other. But they focus more on different sales channels and strategies which can be united under the same brand umbrella. So here for different business, as the strategy has to be different. And we see some of them are catering to different needs of the company themselves as well. For example, uh, I mentioned Alibaba's newly newly foundation of their uh, Australia uh, division. For them, it's all more of a collaboration of the Australia markets and vendors and catering to the needs of Chinese consumers in the local markets. So you can see this as a different weight of setting up their footprint in a different markets. And this decision is also made based on their company strategy of catering to the audiences in different markets as well. I like your framing of the Chinese tech companies into hardware and software where you pointed out very insightfully that for the BAT, because they're software companies, there's actually cultural borders that actually would affect how they actually approach a different market as compared to Huawei, which is a hardware company where they do carriers in an enterprise and even a consumer smartphones where they could actually go in as themselves as their brand. One interesting thing that with this cultural borders for software companies is the problem of having two systems or what we call the strategy tech. How do China software companies handle the strategy tech of having two systems, one within the Great Firewall of China and the one outside where it is also open to competition with not necessarily just US tech companies, but tech companies from other parts of the world? My insight here may come to address on the differences of many different local markets in the world. So this is not a thing unique to the Chinese market. Many people may consider Chinese market as an isolated island where outcomers always hit a wall and can really compete against local players. But if you look at a bigger picture of the whole global market, you will see it happens in many other markets as well. For example, Line, the chatting app, is really popular in the Asian market and it has been able to compete against outcomers like WhatsApp and like Facebook Messengers and also WeChat. So it's more about who comes into the market first. It's always like 
the stronger gets stronger. It's always hard to compete against the local established players. This is not a thing just unique to the Chinese market or unique to Chinese market going to global competition. For Chinese companies, as we mentioned before, they're getting smarter about how to manage this and they're trying to find the right people and the right team to team up with. So a lot of like investment in uprising, aspiring startups in the local markets is one of the strategies they're adopting right now. And I think it's working pretty well. Well, it's still like different from company to company, but overall it's a big trend that's happening right now. I want to get back into the Chinese consumer market because I think that you have identified some interesting opportunities for the China consumer market. What are the three opportunities that the report has specifically identified with regards to Chinese consumer market then? Well, in the report, we talk about three opportunities. Um, the first one of them is called trading up. So it's a very common idea of how people get into the market with low price and lower quality products first and to lure in their consumers and build up their brand loyalty. And later, they can help the consumers to buy better products with higher prices. That's a way to educate the market from a long time. In China, we also see the trend of trading up. A lot of like Chinese middle class are now pursuing qualities instead of quantities. They are now emphasizing on the quality of the service and the products they enjoy instead of really cheap price and really normal quality. And they're also chasing personalities, uniqueness in all these experiences and all these products. So we find it a very interesting trend in China today as people are trying to increase the quality of their life. And in this whole trend, people are buying more and buying more premium products. And they're also looking for customized experiences in different forms. For example, personalized recommendation in e-commerce, in online shopping, or even like personalized guide for traveling, online booking, things like that. And this is becoming a very important market for Chinese tech companies. But it doesn't mean... As I mentioned, it doesn't mean they're going all in for to like build up a niche, a new product in the niche market. Instead, there a lot of them are like now building up a different feature or function within their established products, so they can have a better answer to their users with such a, a unique demand. And this demand is also increasing really fast with high value because those users who are having such a premium demand for the service they enjoy, normally like premium users with a higher potential in consumption. So this is a very interesting part of the business right now. For the second part, we're also looking at the markets used to be less prioritized by Chinese tech companies. Before, people normally talk about markets in the first tier and second tier cities. You see these people residents in the first tier, second tier cities at, as the early adopters has better mastery of tech and also have better understanding of the internet. But as these markets are getting saturated, people came to realize the markets in lower tier cities 
is also increasing because, like you know, the information on the internet is so accessible to everyone. And these residents, users, consumers in lower tier cities in China are now getting better educated about how online services can help improve their life. They are also building up their trust on these online services. And those markets, which were less focused on by Chinese Chinese tech companies in the past. Are now becoming a focus to many of them. For example, the smartphone brand Oppo and Vivo made quite achievement in 2016. Oppo actually becomes the number one smartphone brand by shipment, according to IDC's recent release. One of their key strategy is to go to lower tier cities and to build up their presence in those markets. It really helps them to build up their presence in the entire market and taking more market share. So this kind of strategy is. Really important, and this is also an audience group. A lot of people are now looking at another two, another two important audience group, consumer groups. We are now also focusing on elder citizens. And the teenagers, teenagers, of course, they're always the important part. And what we want to mention here is the second child policy in China is helping to change the entire aging population in the country, which may be a sign for a positive side for the markets catering to all kinds of consumption demands for teenagers and kids. For example, online education, because they may possibly see a growing Market in the future compared with years before, and also for the elder citizens, we are also thinking it's going to be a focus in the next a couple of years because of the aging society. So for this group of consumers in the future, you will see how healthcare services based on smart devices and also online services are going to be a new business opportunity for a lot of people. And of course, by talking about the opportunities for the China consumer market, we will take an advertisement break for the moment. Innovation and value generation remained at the forefront of the fourth edition of the IoT Asia Conference, which returns on the 29th to 30th of March at the Singapore Expo Exhibition Halls. Join the three-track conference to learn about the latest developments and initiatives from top leaders and leading lights in the field. Use the code IOT7AASIA. To get a 10% discount off the conference rates, except academy. Coming back. Okay, I want to go into another conversation on the venture investment in China for 2017, which is in the report as well. My first question to you would be: What is the venture capital investment climate in China for 2017? This is also a good question. So we talked to a couple of、like, really top investors in the Chinese market, and they are giving positive signals about、uh, both the investment side and also about the future IPO climate. So they are seeing more opportunities for. Startups to go on a stable development into their IPO stage, and possibly more chances for IPO in 2017. Also, their talk they discuss how what they are thinking about the valuation of Chinese Chinese startups. In the country, one of the important signal is that they think the Chinese market today for startup valuation is less a bubble than it was in two or three years ago. So both the 
entrepreneurs and investors are becoming more rational about how to manage in the markets, and they're giving out reasonable prices for both, and this helps to reduce the bubble in the market and help to get a more healthy environment for the entire startup ecosystem in the country. From your analysis, does the venture capital investment would move to the early stage market or towards the later stages of the startup evolution? So here is a hard decision for a lot of investors as they realize the cost for acquisition of new users will be increasingly high for new startups. So a lot of investors are betting on new technologies, for example, like VR, AR, and AI. In another sense, you will see how these cutting-edge technologies really take time to evolve into the business stage. A lot of like investors we talked to do present their concerns over how to find a really potential unicorn in the market today as they're finding it hard to help them to go through the early stage in a quite saturated market. But at the same time, they're also trying to find those who have really potentials in getting into the next technological evolution. And those startups are now taking a lot of money from everywhere. And yes, as we said, like for the later stages, the IPO period may get easier for some, but it's still a slow and long time process. I think it won't say to you like be easier for a lot of them. It just means like today they have more chances and more possibilities to gain to the next stage. So I would say most investors we get in touch with are pretty cautious. They're not really easy to bet on a lot of money irrationally in some cases. Today, I think the entire market will say just like be as stable as it was in 2016. And it won't really overheat the market in the rest of the year. So you basically see uh, more or less a stable distribution across different stages of financing. But you pointed out VR as a category. So what are the key categories that the report has identified where most of the investments would go to in 2017 then? Well, for 2017, a lot of investors are still looking at artificial intelligence, especially uh, the application of artificial intelligence in different business sectors. For example, how you make use of artificial intelligence in maybe fintech or maybe cybersecurity and etc. This kind of like application of the technology into consumer markets is a focus right now. For VR, not many investors are positive about hardware development part because the four primary brands in the world are now taking the majority of the market share. And in China, a lot of like VR companies focus on development of VR contents and quite a number of them are doing a good job. I know a couple uh, VR startups can make over RMB 20 million a year in 2016, which is already a pretty impressive performance for an early stage 
startup. This kind of like VR content developers, especially those who have already been able to make a profit, have been very popular among investors. In the later half of 2016, there have already been a round of bloodbaths for the VR sector, and a lot of less mature companies or less competent companies have already been faded away. So the survivors now in the markets really have something for themselves and they are able to compete in the further future. There are quite a lot of like investors are really confident about the survivors in the market. And some of those entrepreneurs in the sectors, in the VR content sectors I know, have been approached constantly by many really respectable investors. And this can be regarded as a good sign for the sector as well. Another field a lot of investors are talking about is the cross-border enterprises services. This is also catering to why I mentioned before, a globalization need for Chinese tech companies. So this kind of like cross-border services providers in the market is now also becoming a focus point for many, as this is also a growing market to be believed will have a pretty nice growth in the next couple of years. So what are the risks or cautions that most investors need to think about in China then? Well, for foreign investors outside of China's border, a lot of time the information barrier for them to get to know the right bits and this is, will be considered as a very important part of their possible failure in the country. And so for a lot of investors inside of China, one of the biggest concerns here is very few investors really understand deeply into the most cutting-edge technology. And it's also very hard almost for everyone. During this understanding and communication period for Sometimes they lost the chance of really betting on the right company because, you know, like for right now, everyone is trying to take a bite of the next technological revolution and they're eagerly to make bets on all these things. So for those companies with some potentials in the technology part, they all, always get a lot of like invitations. This is one thing that all investors are really have a concerns with because the kind of investors, the kind of talents in the venture capital side who really understand the latest technology now in the market is really few. It will be a big challenge for them to really venture in the business as well. That's also why a lot of entrepreneurs with experiences in like uh, artificial intelligence and with experiences in this new technology sectors are becoming very popular to venture funds as well. Do you see the venture capital investments flowing out internationally or spent within the huge Chinese domestic market? Why I'm asking this is that during the Davos conference this year, President Xi Jinping talked about the, the importance of China to lead as a global player. And of course, with the One Belt, One Road initiative that is spanning new infrastructure across Asia towards the Silk Road to Europe, do you see the venture capital flow also would move in the same direction? Well, this is how to say that. It's going to be a different question, actually. So you will have to look at what the investments Chinese companies have in those different markets and in the different parts of the world for what 
as you mentioned, for the, like the one belt one road projects in China, which it extends into the Middle East, the innermost parts of Asia, is more focused on things like the infrastructures of the country, or like maybe the construction projects. So for this kind of things, is not where venture capitalist will bet on, because normally first is mostly a state thing, a national, a governmental investments first. And also, it's going to take a long time to see the return. And that's not normally where venture investments is in. For venture capital investments going out of China, we see more going to North America and Southeast Asia and also Israel, where people will see the technology and internet industry as a leading force in the country's economy right now. So the Southeast Asian market is a very important part of this strategy, and a lot of investment there backed by China's tech companies. Their consideration of extend their impact in the local markets. And a lot of investment going to the U.S. markets and to Israeli companies are under, like, based on the consideration of getting closer to the latest technology developed in both these two hubs, because those two places, the Silicon Valley and Israel, has has a strong force in research and development, and for a lot of time they have. This kind of investments based on Chinese companies and Chinese companies need to get latest technology and turn them into healthy assets for them to be transformed into local products for their consumers. So this kind of investment are totally different, are based on totally different strategies. And for venture capitalists, who go to this size, they're also moving along with the trends. They're helping this future Chinese buyers, Chinese company, tech companies, to building up their network in the local markets. For this venture capitalist, they're also making bets on the future potential of these technology developers in this two hub. So the kind of like investments in different parts of the world are totally different. And it's kind of different, a little bit like distinctive from the government's callings as well, because it's to first is to totally different markets. Second is totally under different philosophies. I guess I may have explained myself well in this part, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I thought the point of what I was trying to say is when the governments actually started building the infrastructure and then start, the services economy will start to become the next layer. The venture capital could actually also move down into that next layer before the infrastructure is built. I guess I tied the question together in a way to just think about it as analogously whether they, they are doing the same thing. But it's okay. Ria, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your insights. And I'm sure I will be getting you back again to talk about other reports that China Tech Insights have. So help my audience. How do they find you? 
Well, so you would like to have a copy of our report. You can go on to our website, is chinatechinsights.com, and you can also find us on Twitter, the handler CN Tech Insights. Also, we can follow us on our on WeChat official accounts. You can find us with the name China Tech Insights as well. And you can find me at bleongcw@bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us at Analyze Asia A N A L Y S E Asia. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, TuneIn, and of course Google Play only in the U.S. market. And of course, give me a tweet, upvote me in Overcast, recommend me on Overcast, or give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And of course, drop me feedback from time to time. Well, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.